Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Get your place there. Story goes, Staff Sergeant Travis W. Atkins, he went above and beyond the call of duty for his country. He served in the U.S. Army. On June 1st, 2007, he distinguished himself with an act of gallantry. That's a term that military men use. It means an act of nobleness, heroism, or generosity. So he distinguished himself with an act of gallantry and intrepidity. That's fearlessness, fearless bravery when in danger, on undaunted courage or boldness. And he did this in Operation Iraqi Freedom. He was the squad leader with Company D in the 2nd Battalion, 14th Infantry Regiment, the 2nd Brigade Combat Team of the 10th Mountain Division. While manning a static observation post, in the town of Abu Samak, Iraq, Staff Sergeant Atkins was notified that four suspicious individuals walking in two pairs were crossing an intersection not far from his position. Staff Sergeant Atkins immediately moved his squad to prohibit the individuals. One of the individuals began behaving erratically. He started prompting Staff Sergeant Atkins to disembark from his patrol vehicle and approach to conduct a search. Both individuals started, respond, started to respond very belligerently towards Staff Sergeant Atkins. He moved toward engaging the two individuals to conduct a search. And I'll tell you what happened afterwards at the end of the message. Get 2 Timothy chapter 2. We are in one verse this morning. One verse. That is verse number 5. The Bible says, And if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned, except he strive lawfully. I'm only going to key in on this one verse. We spent probably four or five Sundays preaching on the first four verses of 2 Timothy. Um, so we're really picking up some steam. We're going to cover one verse this morning, and that's this one right here. You know, when you strive for masteries, people do it in athletic games. Athletic games serve a few purposes. It's amusement. People like to be amused by watching, apparently, men in tight shorts throw a, a, a cow leather. <laughs> But these are weird sports. But there's all types of athletic events, from football, from baseball, from soccer, to badminton, to hockey, to martial arts, to... Uh, people think it's weird that two guys would go out on a mat and wrestle around and fight. I mean, these are weird things. <laughs> why would you want to do that? Amusement, that's why. It's amusing to see somebody throw a, bar, a ball for 30 yards, have another man catch it, and then when he catches it, have another guy come and just clip him and flip him because he hits him so. It's amusing. It's fun. 
People go to the jujitsu tournaments. We host these all around. And people love to see somebody just hip tossed and boom, just the sound on the mat. The crowd goes wild. It is amusing. It's amusement. I mean, I grew up in the Mike Tyson days, Iron Mike. We would watch, and I'm not recommending this for anybody. I'm just telling you what we did. We would watch just to see Iron Mike just knock somebody clean out. It's amusing. People spend hours and hours and hours in amusement. But also it serves for physical activity. That's a good thing. Boys and girls can get out and run and play and play all of these games for amusement. Um, but then there's also, which is even better that comes out of it, is character development. You learn how to work as a team. You learn how to work hard. You learn how to suffer loss. You know how to lose as an individual. You know how to lose as a team. You know how to, you learn how to boost someone up when they're in the dumps. The coach has to help those athletes work through these tough times so that they can emerge stronger. These are good benefits. These are God-given principles, and these can be found in athletic play. Uh, if you will, let's turn back to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. Let's read verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. How many of you would join the track team so that you can be the last guy to cross the finish line? Nobody does. But you know what happens? Every single time they have a track meet, there's one poor fella. Everybody else has crossed the finish line. And here he comes. Last place. And mama's on the sidelines. Yay, Johnny, you made it. He lost. He came in last place. Everybody's seen it. But he finished. But he finished. We had a kid. He was the most unathletic kid that, that, I've, that I've dealt with. Two left feet, two left hands, two left eyes, two left noses. I mean, he was just an awkward turtle athletically. And my thing has always been the guy that's unathletic, the guy that's kind of nerdy, the guy that kind of gets picked on, the one that is the runt of the litter, so to speak. I want to work with him because he's the one that needs it. That's what jujitsu is designed for, the weak. Well, this kid, and look, anytime you get the athletes involved, they just take over the sport. But this kid, he really benefited. And he was scared to death to step out on the mat and compete. But one day, he did. He stepped out on the mat. And he got his tail handed to him. This boy proceeded to wipe the mat with him and annihilated him in front of the whole gym and in front of his family and his teammates and his coach. And he got up and he walked off the mat. And I said, boy, I'm proud of you. You got out there and you fought. Now let's go out and do it again. 
And you know what he did the second time after he was done crying and wiping his tears off? He went out there and he got the living tar beat out of him again. And he walked off the mat in tears. And I walked over and I said, good job, kid, good job. You stepped out on the mat and you showed great courage to do something that you were afraid to do. And that was the best lesson that boy could have learned. Is he ever going to go on to be a competitor? No. Is he ever going to go on to probably win any match? No. Is that sport his thing? No. But he learned an awful lot of character that day because he faced something that he was afraid to do. He suffered shame. He suffered embarrassment. And guess what? He lived through it. His eyeballs didn't fall out and he still has his parents and people still like him. Everybody isn't going to win. And if you think I'm just going to be on the track team if I be first place, then don't join the track team because you're not going to win every time. But what does God say here in verse number 24? Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. God wants you when you get involved. Don't have this ho-hum attitude. Every athletic endeavor is people trying to strive to win. That's not a bad thing. It's not a wrong thing. Know ye not. Know ye not here. Verse number 24. Know ye not. God's trying to say, hey, uh, Paul says to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, don't you get it? Don't you get it? He's trying to advance the gospel. You'll see he's voluntarily denying himself because he has the cause of Christ in view. He sincerely wants to honor God. That's how we should run the race of our Christian walk. Do you strive to want to honor God? Are you willing to sacrifice for the cause of Christ? Are you earnestly really trying to advance the gospel or not? Let's back up a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's start verse number 16. This is so powerful. Verse number 16. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel! Exclamation point. Do you see that? That's a powerful, powerful verse of Scripture. People want glory. They don't want to preach the gospel. They want a big pulpit to fill and get glory. I don't assume, don't assume that that means big churches with big pulpits are wrong. Don't, don't misunderstand the point at all. The point is, if you're looking for glory, you're doing it for the wrong reason. And that's between your heart and your God. Verse 17, For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. We're not getting rewards here on earth. You run a race, you get the worldly trinket if you win. You win the match, you get the worldly belt that you can put around your waist and you get your hand raised up as the winner. We're not running this race for an earthly reward. 
But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, 18, what is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge that I abuse not my power in the gospel. He's concerned about abusing his power. He's doing this willingly. His reward is heavenly. He's got nothing to glory of. He doesn't want his hand raised up high. He doesn't want an attaboy from anybody. He just wants to keep the main thing, the main thing. Verse 19, for though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I may gain, that I might gain the more. Free from all of that. Those guys are losers. Those guys are drunks. Those guys have nothing at all to do with what I believe in the Bible. I'm free from all that. But I'm going to make myself a servant unto all that I may gain the more. There's a more important perspective in mind. Someone's soul's at stake. Someone's soul's at stake. You start glorying of yourself, you do it from the wrong re motives and reasons, you're just going to get bitter. Anybody would. Verse number 20, and unto the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews, to them that are under the law as under the law, that I may gain them that are under the law, to them that are without law as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became I as weak, that I may gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I by all means save some. You know what he's saying here? He's not going to needlessly offend people. If they have a custom, he'll comply with their custom. He's not purposefully looking for reasons to offend them. You know what he's not saying? What the modern church says. You see what Paul said? In, I'm going to be made all things to all men. And you know what? If all the teenagers are listening to rock and roll or rap and roll or country rock and roll, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to put that in the church because I want to be all things to all men. If the custom, if the tradition, if what the group of people are doing is wrong, that's not what this verse is saying. If you go to a... a, a If I became a missionary to South Korea, which I've been to, and we get to the person's house, and they say, I'd like you to take your shoes off, please. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to take my shoes off out of respect and out of courtesy to their custom. And when they come in and the table is on the floor, which it is, I am not going to ask for a chair to sit at. I'm going to sit or kneel on the little pillow that they have. Pillow chair. 
And that's what you do. You sit very low to the ground and the table is low. I am not going to say, well, we, I, I like to sit up and be elevated. It's a custom and it's a tradition that they have. When they bow, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to bow. I'm not going to put my hand out and go to shake their hand because in their custom, that would be disrespectful. But you know what I'm not going to do? When they have worship and they say, we're all going to bow down to this God, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to bow down to that God because that's wrong. And that's what Paul's saying. Don't needlessly offend somebody. How many of your kids are allowed to burp at the, at the dinner table? How many of you burp at the dinner table? Don't be a missionary to China then. Because that lady that's in the back cooking that meal, when she comes out, if she don't hear her boys burping, she don't think the food's good. And you know what they do at the table? They let out a really nice belch to let her know, nice work, honey. And it just, she loves it. So everybody thinks these American table manners are actually in the Bible. <laughs> they're not. So when you have somebody come over and they burp at the table, they're not not right with God, all right? It's a culture. It's a custom. It has nothing to do with being right or wrong with God. It's a custom. And you know what Paul's saying? Get over yourself and just learn to get along. He's not saying... Use sinners' ways to get sinners in church. He's not saying, whatever the world is doing, let's bring the world into the church so we can be all men to all people. That is not what he's saying. If it violates Scripture, don't do it. Don't do it. All right, we'll stop right there so I don't get myself into any more trouble. Read, uh, let's see. Reading on, we've got in verse number 22, very important, just to point out before we move on, that I might by all means save some. It'd be great if everybody got saved, but they don't. I want everybody to get saved, so do you, but they don't. Rejoice that somebody got saved. At the conference, one teenage girl got saved. Praise the Lord. Rejoice in that. Actually, there were five. I told you earlier, there were five graduates from our Bible school at this conference. Not four, five. One is the youth pastor at our home church. He was there. You know what he said, which I loved? This girl gives her testimony. She saved. Touchdown for Jesus. <laughs> Amen. That's great. See, these boys, some of these boys are from Alabama and Tennessee. They like to make the football jokes. I don't even watch it, so I don't even know. It doesn't affect me. But they're into this. They're into this. If the culture has football, don't purposefully try to offend someone because you don't like football. We love throwing the ball around. We love running plays. They love it when I act like a crazy quarterback calling out plays that I don't even know. Right? We have a great time. Love it. We don't watch football. It's not our job to go into a football culture, a football state, and try to purposefully offend 
somebody because they're into that. Paul's saying, look, leave it alone. It's not a big deal. Don't do it. You're going to hurt the cause of Christ. That's what he's saying in 1 Corinthians. Does that make sense? All right, let's get back to 2 Timothy chapter number 5. We've got to start making some progress. That was only the first page of notes. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 5. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned, look at this, except he strive lawfully. You can't violate the rules. You can't violate the dietary rules. You know there's rules that say you can't take this illegal substance to compete. That's called cheating. You violated what you're allowed to put into your body. It's cheating. You have to play by the rules. You have to play by the rules of the code of what the moral conduct is. Or you're not striving lawfully. You're cheating. Let's get Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 24. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. People want the crown without the cross. They want the reward. They don't want to make the sacrifice. They want to be the victor, but they certainly don't want to put in the hard work and the training. You've got to strive, and it's got to be a lawful strive. Too many Christians get caught up. As soon as they encounter this, it's going to cause you to sacrifice. You've got to strive lawfully. It's too much hard work. What did you expect? You expect it to be easy? And then people decide, I'm not going to strive lawfully anymore. It's too hard. I'm going to find a way to cheat, to go around what I got to do. You got to strive lawfully. But people have the inability to put things in perspective. And it causes them to not strive lawfully. They look for a reason to go around it. Or a Goliath shows up in your life. He's too big. He's too scary. you got to be a David. What happens next? Whatever the obstacle is, what happens next? An idol is constructed. Idolatry happens. Whether it's in your heart, doesn't have to be constructed with hands, it could be in your mind, but an idol is put up in your life. An idol is put up in my life. You know what follows idolatry? Covetousness. Gotta have it, gotta have it, gotta have it, gotta have it. That guy has it, gotta have it. And we get all these things gets us off track. An idol is formed. We got to have that. We just follow after it. It's just covetousness follows. Laziness, idleness, 
slugging around with the ho-hum attitude follows covetousness. All right, get Romans chapter 3 and Isaiah chapter 53. Romans chapter number 3. And Isaiah chapter 53. Why does the Bible say to strive lawfully? I'll tell you why. Because mankind wants in his heart of hearts to choose his way. He wants it his way. Romans chapter 3 verse number 12. Very familiar. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable there is none that doeth good. No, not one. Everybody's out of line. Everybody's out of the way. Isaiah chapter 53, verse number 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Man's will must strive to line up with God's will. Man's ways must strive to line up with God's ways. Man's direction in his life must strive to line up with the direction that God has for that man's life. We have to strive lawfully. Or it's in vain. This is why the Bible tells us to put off the old man. And you know why we don't? Pride. And it happens to Christians all the time. They have a conviction. They have an opinion. They have a standard. They have a belief. And maybe they're all right. But pride still can sneak in. What's the cure for pride? Repentance. A true heartfelt repentance. You know why? People are unhappy. People are miserable. People are discontented. It's the heart. It's the heart. These are all heart issues. How do you mask them? More toys. More games. More entertainment. More pleasure. So that you can mask the heart issue. Families fighting. It's a good family. Dad works. Mom cooks. Kids fight and bicker. Dad comes home. Husband and wife fight and bicker. Oh, I know. We'll go to Disney World. And for a week, they're happy. And then as soon as they get home, they're more miserable than they were before they went to Disney and they're four grand in debt. Why? Because you can mask it but you're going to have to come back to it because they're heart issues. Is there anything wrong with amusement? Is there anything wrong with having fun? 
Don't misunderstand. That is not the message. I'm not saying don't go on vacation with your family. That's a good thing. Get away, get refreshed, get recharged, have some fun, take a break from working, take a break from all the house chores, take a break from all the schooling. Those are healthy, good things to do. So don't misunderstand. The point is, if you're trying to mask misery by taking a vacation and thinking that a week of fun is going to do it, it isn't. You can't mask it. You've got to deal with it with true, heartfelt repentance. And you can't strive as a Christian unless it's lawful. And there are no shortcuts. Get Luke chapter 14. I know this is simple principles, but I know you know this verse. Luke 14, verse number 28. Luke 14, verse number 28. The Bible says, For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost whether you have sufficient to finish it. You know what God wants you to do? Count the cost. Every builder counts the cost. Every athlete counts the cost. Every business person counts the cost. Every Christian needs to count the cost. It's going to cost you something. Christ is our perfect example. He ascended up into glory. We have assurance of our crown. Christ's flesh was crucified. We must crucify our flesh. That's why Galatians 5.24 says, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. There's a cost to living the Christian life. You better count those costs. I want to be saved and not go to hell and go to heaven. Great. God will save you. He will. But you know what He wants? He wants you to live your life for Him. You ready to do that? Or do you just want to not go to hell? Oh, who here doesn't want to go to hell? Who's not going to put their hand up? Well, maybe some reprobate 18, 19, 20-year-old in college that's been so brainwashed and had his mind so perverted with Hollywood filth for 18 years. But most reasonable thinking people that aren't saved are going to put their hand up and say, no, I don't want to go to hell. Do you believe it's real? Well, no, but even if it isn't, I don't want to go there. (laughs) Christ rose from the dead and He tells us we must rise unto newness of life. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Let's get that. Romans chapter 6, verse number 4. And then get Colossians chapter number 3. Romans 6, verse number 4, we'll do do first. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. God has given us something better to walk in. He's given us something better to strive for. He rose from the dead and He wants us to walk in newness in life. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 2. The Bible says, Set your affection on things above, not on things 
on the earth. Oh, if we could just get a hold of that verse, that'd make life a lot easier. Christ is seated in heaven. And you know what he asks us to do? Set your affections there. Christian people walking around all around this world and they got their eyes fixed on everything here on earth. It's just... Can we just take a time and look up? That's where He wants our affection set. Ephesians chapter number 2. Our rules cannot be confused with worldly mastery. Matter of fact, we have to contend against it because the course of this world is going to drift us into the wrong direction. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince, the power of the air, the spirit, that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, praise His name, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. That's how you used to walk. That was the course that you used to take. That was the spirit that used to lead you around. Those were the lusts. Those were the passions that your flesh had. And that's what you were. A child of wrath. But not anymore. So don't get swept away by it. Don't get swept away by it. Staff Sergeant Atkins, U.S. Army, serving the country. He intends to search. He sees these men acting erratically. They're not where they're supposed to do, be, but he's where he's supposed to be because he follows orders. He's doing what he is commanded to do. But intending to search, he ends up in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Staff Sergeant Atkins tried to wrestle the insurgent's arms behind his back. But then something drastic happens. Staff Sergeant Atkins has to make a quick decision. During the fight, he noticed the insurgent was reaching for something under his clothes. Staff Sergeant Atkins immediately wrapped him in a bear hug, threw him to the ground away from his soldiers. Boom! The man detonates a bomb. Staff Sergeant Atkins... As he took him down, he maintained the hold on the insurgent and he placed his body on top of him as he further sheltered his parole. And he saved the life of his three men. The insurgent detonated the bomb strapped to his body, killing himself and Staff Sergeant Atkins. He acted with complete disregard for his own safety. And in that critical and selfless act of valor, 
he saved the lives of three other soldiers who were with him. And in doing so, he gave his life for his country. His undaunted courage, his warrior spirit, and his steadfast devotion to duty and keeping with the highest traditions of military service and reflect great credit upon himself, his 2nd Brigade Combat Team and the United States Army. He's considered one of America's greatest modern-day heroes. He was 31 years old. And he left behind a wife and two children. But he strove lawfully. And you know what Jesus Christ did? He left his throne in glory to come down here to be spit upon, to be beaten, and to die on a bloody cross at Calvary. And he gave his life for you and for me. Staff Sergeant Atkins did what the right thing was to do. He gave his life and sacrificed so that others could live. He was trained to do what he was supposed to do, and he did right. And Jesus Christ came down and did the only thing that could have been done to make us right. He is going to sacrifice his life so that we could live. It's the greatest sacrifice that can be ever made is the one that Jesus Christ made. Staff Sergeant Atkins' son was just awarded by President Trump another award. He was crowned. He receives this award based on his father's act sacrificial act of love and courage. You and I, as a Christian soldier for Jesus Christ, we have a reward. And it's not here on earth. It's a heavenly reward. There's the crown of righteousness. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, you don't have to turn there, I have fought a good fight. Have you? I have finished my course. I want you to. I want to. I have kept the faith. I want to do that. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that also love his appearing. Do you anxiously wait and live with that view and perspective? There's a reward for you. The crown of glory. Do you teach God's word? Do you minister to others? Let's go over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. We're getting ready to finish, but it's good to just go through these. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not being, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples unto the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Some call it the preacher's crown or the pastor's crown. But it's the crown that those 
who love to teach God's Word. Do you minister to others? Do you teach Sunday school? Do you teach somebody God's Word? There's a crown. It's a crown of glory. There's also a crown of life. Let's get over to James chapter number 1. The crown of life. Can you undergo severe trial? Severe temptation? Severe testing? James chapter number 1. Let's start reading at verse number 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice that he is exalted, but the rich and that he is made low. Because of the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it wherewith the grass and the flower falleth thereof, thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried... He shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Do you love the Lord that much? How about till death? Revelations 2.10, the Bible says, For none of those which thou shalt suffer, behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that he may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days, but thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. There's also the crown of rejoicing. You don't have to turn there, but this is often called the soul winner's crown. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 2.19, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? You love the Lord enough to tell others about Jesus Christ. There's a crown. There's a reward if you strive lawfully. Lastly, let's turn back our last passage where we, where we began the message. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. There's an incorruptible crown. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. Do you faithfully run the race? Do you crucify every selfish fleshly desire? Do you point men and women to Jesus Christ? Do you answer the call and, and, and accept the sacrifice in a way where others can hear about Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 24 says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that strive for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we and incorruptible would you bow with me please heavenly father thank you for your word lord i pray that the message helps us all to live our lives 
with an eternal perspective and to strive lawfully for your cause. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.